Again, I want to welcome those that are watching online and those who are listening in on our podcast. We are glad that you can join us today. It's Thanksgiving Day 2020, and wanted to take some time to kind of reflect as we get started here. 2020 has been an extremely difficult year for all of us. I doubt there's any exceptions, uh, whether you're here in this room or online uh, listening or watching. You know, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we've had to endure an economy being shut down, businesses being closed, jobs being lost, masks being worn, families being quarantined, individuals with health concerns remaining isolated in their homes, or, and plans being constantly altered or canceled altogether. We've had to endure shortages of anything from toilet paper and hand sanitizer to electronics and cleaning supplies. In addition to the problems associated with COVID-19, here in America, the social unrest and violence continues. While the continuous and contentious and bitter political tensions remain to the point that we're even bombarded by issues even when we watch a sports game, a TV show, or a movie. Add to all that all the problems that we have faced as churches, families, and individuals, and many of us are ready to say goodbye. I picture the end of the Beverly Hillbillies waving goodbye to 2020. Here at Shiloh, we are ready for the relentless repairs to be completed. And Phil and Wendell said amen to that. And the equipment that we are waiting for to arrive so that we can get some relief and move our worship services back into the sanctuary. In short, we long for life to get back to normal as if there were such a thing and as if that would make everything right again. But what if I were to tell you that true contentment can be attained regardless of whether or not we have to wear a mask and socially distance. What if I were to tell you that lasting satisfaction in life is not based on our ever-changing circumstances? What if I were to tell you that genuine peace and unwavering joy can be found only in the unchanging Jesus Christ who is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Would you believe me? I don't mean we're sitting in church nodding agreement. I mean really believe me. Not just in what we say, but in what we think and what we do. I'm talking about knowing and experiencing contentment deep down into our bones and knowing that contentment, that peace, that joy, that satisfaction, regardless of what happens to us, regardless of where we may find ourselves, and regardless of who's in the White House. I'm not the one making that claim. The Apostle Paul is. And in Philippians 4, we will discover 
that his words are not just empty encouragement made from a sheltered life in an ivory tower. As a matter of fact, Paul writes these words we're about to read while he was in prison. Think about that. More than likely, his letter was written during his incarceration in Rome, where he wasn't confined to a dungeon or a prison cell per se, but we would say today he was under house arrest. Many of us can relate to that because during COVID, because we have health concerns, many of us have been bunkered down at home and we can relate to that isolation. But during his confinement, we will discover that Paul did not mope around. He didn't gripe and complain. But instead, he used his time to share the gospel and minister to others, of all things. When you look at the very end, the last two verses of Acts in chapter 28, it says, For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. And consider his own words in Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. He says, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Think about that attitude he's got. He could have hopped on his pity pot and looked at his imprisonment as a hindrance, as a restriction, as a limitation, but instead he saw it as an opportunity to advance the gospel, to minister to those who came to him, to witness to the palace guards around him. And in doing so, encourage other Christians to spread the gospel courageously and fearlessly. All while incarcerated. <laughs> I'm just out of curiosity, is that how we look at our apparent restrictions and limitations in life? Or do we sit there and think, well, pff, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. That's ruined these plans, that's messed up this stuff Paul doesn't do that he doesn't do that at all do we as a church look at our current troubles as a burden or as an opportunity I want to step back for a moment and make an observation we all know that the COVID crisis pushed us as well as many other churches out of our comfort zones and out of our shells because we wanted to reach our members at home who were unable to get out we made a special effort to put things online and to do a podcast and all of that. And we are thankful to our audiovisual team that put in hours. None of you will know the hours, just like with our property committee and so many other ministries here. People don't know the hours that go in to make what we think is simple possible. But I want to just give you a few details on what's going on with that ministry. Keep in mind, it's only been eight months. It's been eight months since we launched our YouTube channel. 
people have viewed one of our videos for a total of 5,879 times. That's over 725 views a month, more than 20 a day. Let that sink in. Think about it. Even more amazing to me is what God has done with our podcast. We can get more details about those. 348 of our downloads, it's been 360 in all, by the way, but 348 of our downloads have spanned across our country over 16 states as far north as Maine and Michigan and North Dakota, North Dakota, as far south as Mississippi and Florida, and as far west as California and Washington. Even more amazing to me is our podcasts have been downloaded in three other continents. Think about that. Continents. In Europe, messages have been downloaded in Poland, Italy, France, Ireland, Norway, and Denmark. In South America, Brazil, Chile, and Peru. And most recently, surprisingly, when I checked this past Friday, in Asia, in Kazakhstan. <laughs> now, let me ask. A year ago, before COVID, would we here at Shiloh have dreamed that we would be reaching Christians and others around the globe using a gospel message delivered here in little old faith, North Carolina? Think about it. That sounds like something for which we should give thanks and celebrate as Paul did. It's crises, in crises, God always presents us with enormous opportunities for personal spiritual growth. But he also presents his church with enormous opportunities to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the cool thing. And that's why Paul could encourage the Philippians who themselves were facing persecution. He says in chapter 4, beginning at verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That brings us to our outline this morning. We do not find satisfaction when we run, that's our acronym, R-U-N, run after the wrong people and things. True lasting contentment results when we, first of all, taking it right out of Paul here, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. When Jesus is the primary source of our joy, he will have a positive out effect on our entire outlook in life, no matter where we find ourselves. When Jesus is our primary focus and the true source of our joy, we do not have to be overwhelmed with anxiety because he will never leave us or forsake us, no matter how bad things get. 
when Jesus is our primary focus and the source of our joy, we can take our doubts, our sorrows, our hurts, our heartaches to him with thanksgiving. Why? Because we know that he will have his power to sustain us and that he causes all things to work together for good according to his purpose for those who love him. Everybody's awake now, aren't you? <laughs> this sonic boom is brought to you by Shiloh Reformed Church. <laughs> now, if you need to take a break, please feel free to do so after that. When Jesus is our primary focus and the source of our true joy, we can give thanks and rest content because we're not threatened of losing the things in which we're basing our joy because we can't lose Jesus. He's our fortress. He's our rock. And so when we truly find our joy in him, we can rest secure that he's not going anywhere and that he will get us through our temptations and troubles. Now, I wonder how many of us listening are buying what Paul's saying. I'm not naive. I imagine many of us are doubting this whole faith and focus thing works. Why? Because you're worried about something. You're overwhelmed by something. You're confused by something. Truth be told, some of us are thinking that we can find greater joy than Christ in a relationship or in a comfortable lifestyle or in the sense of control over things and others or in the accumulation of money and possessions, trophies and achievements or influence and power. But here's the thing, all of those things are subject to change. All of those things can be taken away due to circumstances beyond our control. And by default, when we lose or fail to attain those things we're seeking, that we mistakenly think will make our lives all right and content, our joy, thanksgiving, and peace will give way to bitterness, complaining, and insecurity. Better yet, many of us work so hard to attain these things only to find out that even with them, we're not truly satisfied. Because we are afraid of losing them and can't seem to get enough of them or both. Many of you remember Nelson Rockefeller of the past century. He was one of the wealthiest men to live in the 20th century. This is amazing to me. When his wealth was at its greatest, he owned 90% of the oil and gas industry in our nation. And his net worth comprised 1% of the entire U.S. economy. This guy was more than loaded. And when a reporter asked him how much money is enough, guess what his answer was? Just a little bit more. The late comedian George Carlin once offered his own commentary on where, where many Americans are, and his words still apply today. 
Here's an excerpt from what he said, minus a little bit of his colorful language for those of you that are familiar with him. He says, a house is just a pile of stuff with a cover over it. You can see that when you're taking off in an airplane. You look down, you see everybody's got a little pile of stuff. And when you leave your house, you got to lock it up. Wouldn't want anybody to come by and take some of your stuff. They always take the good stuff. They never bother with that, and I'm going to substitute the word junk here. They never bother with that junk you're saving. All they want is the shiny stuff. That's what your house is, a place to keep your stuff while you go out and get more stuff. Sometimes you got to move, got to get a bigger house. Why? No room for your stuff anymore. If our joy and security are wrapped up in people, power, possessions, or popularity, we will lose our joy and security when we lose them. If our contentment and peace is grounded in these things and we are fortunate enough to attain and hold on to them, we will discover as Solomon, who had it all, did in Ecclesiastes 1, that apart from God, everything is meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What does a man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. I love that. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. This coming from a guy who had it all. Through the eyes of faith, we can see the irony that if we make our lives about ourselves and our stuff, we are ultimately destined for frustration, misery, and disappointment. This sounds counterintuitive to the world at large, but if we are willing to make our lives about Jesus and his kingdom, we will discover that he is the bread of life through whom we will never go hungry. We will discover that he is the living water through whom our every thirst will be quenched throughout all of eternity. He told us himself. Which brings us to the second point. True lasting contentment results when we understand that Christ is sufficient. He's all we need. Paul goes on to say and elaborate on this in verses 10 through 13 of chapter 4. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be, there it is, content, whatever the circumstances. How many of us can say that? He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Notice the context of those words. Paul knew what it was like to be with and without. He had learned how to get by with a little or a lot. 
He had learned through personal experience, the school of hard knocks, as we say, how God supplies the power that we need to navigate the good times and the tough times. No matter our circumstances, we can do everything through him who gives us strength. Now, Paul does not mean that we can do whatever we want. He does not mean that if we simply desire it, we can move faster than a speeding bullet and leap tall buildings in a single bound like Superman. That's not what he means by this verse. No, we've got to consider his words in their context. Paul's point here is that God will supply what we need to not only survive, but thrive in any given circumstance that we encounter. Whether our circumstances look great or whether they look terrible, God is willing to get as close to us as we will let him. He is willing to give us as much wisdom and insight as we are willing to submit to him and his ways. He is willing to supply as much strength to us as we are willing to receive. Pastor and author Dr. Tony Evans puts it this way. He says, contentment means being satisfied and at rest. How many of us want some rest? Being satisfied and at rest with where God has you. Despite what's happening around you. It's not natural or automatic. It must be learned. God teaches us contentment through the ups and downs of changing circumstances. He wants us to learn to depend on Him and His divine enablement no matter what happens to us or around us. As we grow in our understanding, He says, and experience of His providence, we will also grow in our level of contentment. Let me read that again. As we grow in our understanding and experience of his providence, we will also grow in our level of contentment. It's about submission and surrender. Which brings us to the third point. True lasting contentment results when we navigate life from a heavenly, eternal perspective. When we navigate life from an eternal, heavenly perspective. If you have your Bibles open, look back at verse 5 again. How does Paul encourage us? He says, the Lord is near. In one sense, he could be saying that we can rejoice in all situations, realizing that there is no need to worry because the Lord is near. Much like David says in Psalm 145, 18 through 20, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him. That's one sense that Paul might be talking about here. But his words can be taken in another way. In this particular sense, we can rejoice in all situations, realizing that there is no need to worry, for the Lord is near. Jesus' return is imminent, and when he comes, he's going to make everything right. We've only just got a little bit longer, so hold on. Trust in God's plan and do what's right in the meantime. Me, personally, I don't think we need to choose between those two interpretations. 
Why couldn't Paul have meant both? In the present, the Lord is a very present help in times of trouble. In the future, Jesus will return soon. And when he does, all our temporary riches and all our temporary poverties, all our momentary comforts and all our momentary difficulties will be left behind and seem like a blink of an eye in the light of eternity. That's a heavenly, eternal perspective. I want to close with a, it's a Chris Tomlin song, uh, written by him and Louis Giglio. This is a song that, uh, when I heard it, it's one of those, we all have certain songs that kind of touch our hearts in a certain way. And it's simply entitled, Enough. And I think it summarizes the entire sermon here today. I'm going to try and sing it much to the against the little voice that's saying don't do it right now if i'm off key i play pray that the lord will not take your eyes off of the words to the song all of you is more than enough for all of me for every thirst and every need you satisfy me with your love and all I have in you is more than enough. You are my supply, my breath of life. Still more awesome than I know. You are my reward worth living for. Still more awesome than I know. And all of you is more than enough for all of me, for every thirst and every need. You satisfy me with your love, and all I have in you is more than enough. You're my sacrifice of greatest price still more awesome than i know you're my coming king you are everything still more awesome than i know and all of you is more than enough for all of me for every thirst and Every need, you satisfy me with your love. And all I have in you is more than enough. Let us pray. Help us, Lord, to be a thankful people, realizing that you are more than enough. In Jesus' name we pray.